Greetings and salutations out there, sports fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. It is time for another glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators. I am always your humble host, Michael Shibley, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting. It is a great day here in Knoxville, and I hope you guys are having a wonderful one. Hope you guys have had a wonderful week. It, it The time change has finally happened, so we get some longer days and all this other stuff. I just wish they'd keep it like this, but that's a whole nother debate for a whole nother podcast. But man, we've got another huge show. We've got fan interaction with players. We're going to deep dive into that a little bit. We've got just soccer news, which is always fun as the UEFA Champions League is going on. Also, women's soccer news. We've got a big lawsuit happening there. Also, of course, wrestling. WWE Fastlane is over, so we are officially finally on the road to WrestleMania, and we've even got some dog sledding news, so we'll be happy to break all that down here coming up in shibbles and bits, but of course, we've got to start with the March to March Madness. We've got craziness with college basketball going on. It is one of my favorite times of year. I love this. I talk about it all the time. Just craziness going on, madness, if you will, happening in the world of college basketball. Of course, Tennessee was back on the one seed line, according to Joe Lenardi, before going into their game against Auburn, and then Tennessee loses at Auburn 84-80 to to uh, put a damper on the end of the regular season as Tennessee had a chance again to be at least co-SEC uh, champions and defend their SEC title. They've not gone back-to-back since, I think, the Bernie and Ernie days when it comes to regular season championships, but that was not the case as they lose on the Plains at Auburn to, of course, former coach Bruce Pearl. And LSU takes care of business, beating Vanderbilt, so they are the outright SEC champions. And it, again, is interesting. As Rick Barnes said in his post-game uh, press conference about where this league has come, where Tennessee last year lost five games and shared the SEC championship, and then this year they only lose three games and they don't win a share or anything of the SEC championship. So that shows improvement there, and it shows, of course, what a great season LSU had up until this week, which we will talk about here going in with everything. But again, Tennessee, too many turnovers, and again, I've watched Bruce Pearl because when he was coach here, it's when I was still a student at UT, and you understand that their teams are always going to create havoc. They're going to just hit the three, and when they're hitting the three, it sometimes gets the other team to play that game where they decide that they need to chuck up threes, and I thought Tennessee got into that a little too much. If I think if they waited and took their time, I think Jordan Bone could have gotten to the hoop a lot more. I think if you fed Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield down low a little bit more, I think you could have done well. And again, we can talk about the controversy with the tip-in late in the game where it was a three and it bounced off the cylinder. We can talk about, of course, anytime there's a scoring play like that, you want to get it right. And do I think the officials got it wrong? Yes, but that was not the sole issue that cost Tennessee that game. I think Tennessee, again, had way too many turnovers. They also didn't create enough turnovers. I think the only Auburn only had five turnovers in the game. So that is something you got to pay attention to. 
And again, we'll see. It is now tournament time. The SEC tournament is happening this week. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. We'll break down that bracket, and we'll break down all my picks for uh, tournament championships going on here as teams are vying for NCAA bids. But, of course, we got to talk at the top. My number one seeds, if you had to pick brackets today as of this recording, my number one seeds would, de- would be uh, Gonzaga, definitely, uh, Virginia, definitely. They're not going anywhere. And then I would have right now North Carolina and Kentucky as my other two. Virginia and Gonzaga, they're not going anywhere. I think they're going to stay number one seeds even if – well, Gonzaga's going to win their tournament. This is recording. When the, when this comes out, Gonzaga probably already would have dominated and won their tournament. I'll be shocked, and I will, of course, issue an apology if they lose, but I don't see that happening. And even if UVA loses their first matchup in the ACC tournament, I don't see them falling off the one line. They have been a very consistent top team. UNC has gotten there mostly from beating Duke and just being, again, solid. I've moved Duke down, and these are the maddening decisions, if you will, that the selection committee is going to end up having, is what do you do with Duke if they win the ACC championship, especially if they have Zion Williamson now back in, Does if he's healthy, is Duke now a number one seed? Where's the Big Ten champion come into this? Because they are in the toughest league, according to the power rankings that you have out there. Is Michigan State, if they win the Big Ten championship, are they going to move up to the one line? Kentucky or Tennessee, if they end up winning the tournament, where are they going to go? And of course, one of the big questions that you have also is, what do you do with LSU when it comes to seeding? Because yes, they are the regular season champions, and congratulations to them for that, because that has been one of the big stories here in the SEC, but it has gotten overshadowed by what has been going on with their head coach, Will Wade. Because for those of you who have been living under a rock or haven't been following anything with this, FBI wiretaps intercepted telephone calls between LSU head coach Will Wade and aspiring business manager Christian Dawkins, in which Wade expressed frustration about his inability to close what he described as a strong-ass offer for a recruit. That looks to be, of course, Smart, the freshman that they've got there. Uh, Of course, Wade has been suspended pending the investigation, so he did not coach against Vanderbilt. And also, Smart was on the bench for the game against Vanderbilt because, again, they're trying to check eligibility and everything. So, I mean, this is this is what everything happened. ESPN has verified the calls between Dawkins and Wade. Yahoo Sports, of course, first broke this. And Wade was frustrated with a handler, apparently for Javante Smart, who is you know a top 50 recruit from Baton Rouge. This is pretty much what he said. I was thinking last night on the Smart thing. Wade told Dawkins during one of the phone calls, "I'll be honest with you. I'm expletive tired of dealing with the thing. Like I'm just expletive sick of dealing with this expletive. Like this would should not be that expletive complicated." Uh, dude, Wade continued during the call. I went to the handler with a expletive strong ass offer about a month ago. Expletive strong. So again, long story short, we're talking about giving money to a recruit, and you can argue about that all you want. And we've talked about plenty about whether players should be able to get paid and all these other things and amateurism with the NCAA. And this has been the fun part is because the LSU fans 
have gone out, and they are just mad. They need to check their bias, is what LSU needs to do, because as some other people have pointed out before before I even mentioned it, if this happened with Alabama and Nick Saban, or with John Calipari at Kentucky, and it was the same type of thing, LSU fans would be shouting from the roof. If I could talk right now, LSU fans would be shouting from the rooftops about this, about their coach needing to go, and they are mad. They are furious with Joe Oliva. Uh, they, the, listening to the game between LSU and Vanderbilt, it almost sounded like it was a WWE match with a face and a heel where Joe Oliva was the bad guy and LSU were the righteous, and Will Wade, the coach, was like the righteous a uh, beautiful baby face, and he was getting screwed over, even though I'm sure LSU President uh, F. King Alexander had something to do with this, most likely. So, again, it's the right thing to do to suspend him. And I know people are like, well, Miller at Arizona and all these other guys, and oh, how, you know, how do we even know that Coach Rick Barnes didn't offer money to Kevin Durant for his one year at Texas? Let me, let me mention this. Yes, there are probably a plethora of issues going on with paying players and offering them money, or as with this Adidas thing, money through different scandals and through intermediaries and going through these shoe companies and getting the money to the families. I understand that. But Will Wade was caught on recording. There's recording of his voice. So that is the big thing. His voice on an FBI wiretap. This isn't just some random recording. This is an FBI wiretap. Why the FBI FBI is involved in this, that is a whole other issue that we don't have time to get into right now. But LSU fans got to check their bias when it comes to all of this and just see it. I, I talked about this with just so many other things when you talk about controversies and everything. You need to look at it out of the bias of it. I talked about it with Penn State and Joe Paterno. I've talked about it with Michigan State fans and people trashing their university with all the stuff that went on with their gymnastics program and everything. So you just need to realize that this is happening, and if this is anything like it, again, if the investigation goes just like uh, Sean Miller at Arizona, he went back to coaching. So if they see it, they'll bring him right back. But right now, you've got to have him under suspension like this. LSU has decided they're going to go for it. They're going to play this out. Because one of the other things you notice is the fact that even if if LSU goes and wins the SEC tournament or makes the Final Four or even wins the national championship and they hang that banner and then it comes out that something happened and it was deemed ineligible, fans aren't going to remember that it was ineligible. They're going to remember the banners being raised. You don't think Michigan fans still remember the Fab Four and Chris Webber and Jalen Rose and Howard and all those guys? They remember them going to the finals two games in a row and also Chris Webber calling a timeout. That's what they remember. They don't remember truly that those banners were taken down. The casual fan does not remember that. So they're going for it. We'll see what happens. Also, one of the things we'll talk about more once the brackets come out is what the balance is here between mid-majors, and uh, Power 5 teams with a selection committee this year. This is another big thing we got to look at because this year, again, the bubble is really weird this year. We've got a lot of strong mid-major teams and a lot of middling Power 5 teams. And yes, some of those Power 5 teams may have played a stronger schedule, but some of these mid-major teams 
are great, and I would just love to have them in there instead of some middling Power 5 schools. You know, like, you look at Lipscomb. They were the Atlantic Sun co-champs. They lost to Liberty in the championship game, but they did beat also a bubble team, TCU, in Fort Worth. You look at Belmont. They're a very good team. They beat Murray State during the regular season, lost to him in the tournament because John Morant had 30-plus, and congratulations to the Murray State Racers. I can't wait to see John Morant in the NCAA tournament. They did beat the aforementioned Lipscomb twice. They also won at UCLA. You know, uh, Furman, the Purple Paladins, have been a solid team in the Southern Conference. Of course, Wofford has been destroying everybody in that conference. They're a ranked team, for crying out loud. Indiana, then you look at some of them. Indiana, yeah, they swept Michigan State, but and they've won six quad one games, and they also beat Marquette, but then they've lost... A lot of these quad one games by double digits. Clemson one and nine in quad one games, and the only one they won was against Virginia Tech when Virginia Tech didn't have their starting point guard. They did beat Lipscomb. Alabama, they're pretty much riding on the fact that they beat Kentucky to start SEC play. That's pretty much it. So when you look at it, Alabama's lost six of their last eight. They haven't beat a locked NCAA tournament team since January 29th. So you look at it, it's like, why do we want teams like this? Why do I want anybody pretty much from the Pac-12 in here where you got some of these other teams that I think not only does it bring eyeballs to them, and yes, I know more people will watch when it's the big-name teams, but I'm just tired of these 11-seed Power 5 schools that even had losing conference records or a team like NC State who scored 24 points in one whole game. This is a a high-level school, 24 points. Are you kidding me? So I I would rather have some of these other teams that I think could be exciting, and I think they can win games in the NCAA tournament. So I would rather look at that. So we'll see what happens. We'll break all that down when the brackets are released, but that's just my take on that. Let's run down uh, some of these other conference tournaments. Let me give you my winners real quick here. Of course, starting with the ACC, I've got Duke winning it. I think Zion comes back. I think they show dominance. I think that moves Duke back up to the one line. Can they finally start shooting three-pointers? We'll see what happens with that, but I've got Duke winning the ACC tournament. The Big 12, I'm going with regular season champ Texas Tech. They've got the number one defense in the land right now. They're riding a nine-game winning streak, and they have been very dominant in those games. So I've got Texas Tech cruising to a Big 12 championship. In the Big East, which has been a little weaker year than we normally see out of the Big East. I mean, you've got Marquette and Villanova are definitely in, but then they've got a plethora of other teams Xavier and St. John's and Creighton and some of these teams that just aren't as strong as they have usually been throughout the year. Uh, But I'm going to go with the winner. I'm going with St. John's. The tournament's in New York at Madison Square Garden. Why not have Chris Mullen and his Red Storm uh, get the tournament win and go back to the big dance for the first time in a while? We look at the Big Sky Conference. I've got Northern Colorado. They're one of the top teams in there. They've got a great point guard in Jordan Davis. I'm going to go with Northern Colorado. In the Big Ten, I've got Michigan State. They've got the best player in Cassis Winston. I think Tom Izzo knows how to win this tournament. He is very good. He's a Hall of Fame coach, obviously. I've got the Spartans getting the win and putting themselves in play again for a one seed. In the Big West, I've got the Anteaters of California at 
Irvine. They are on a 13-game win streak going with them. Conference USA, I've got little bias there. Grew up in the Hampton Roads area in Virginia Beach, Norfolk's own Old Dominion University. I'm going with them over Marshall, though I wouldn't be surprised if the Thundering Herd get back to the big dance this year. The Ivy League, Yale, by far the best team in that league. I've got them winning that tournament. Buffalo, out of the MAC, they've had two losses by a total of six points in conference play. They're the most dominant team in the MAC. I'm riding with the Buffalo Bison into the tournament. The MEAC, I'm going with the Norfolk State Spartans. They're definitely the top team. I think they've only lost two games in conference play all season. I'm going with the Spartans of Norfolk State in the MEAC. The Mountain West, I've got the Wolfpack of Nevada. I think that they win the rubber match with Utah State uh, as they shared the conference championship. I'm going to go with Nevada in that one. Meanwhile, out in the Pac-12, again, Washington is probably the, the only team out of there who that's a lock to make the NCAA tournament if they were an at-large team. Meanwhile, Oregon, they're the hot team right now. They've won. They're on a winning streak, and they also beat the crap out of Washington to wrap up the regular season. So I'm going to go with the Ducks to get the tournament win there in the Pac-12. The Southland Conference, Sam Houston State, by far the best offense in the league. In the SWAC, the, the Southwest Athletic Conference, I'm going with Prairie View A&M. They are 17-1 in league play. Can't argue with that, going with them to win the tournament. In the Sun Belt, I got Georgia State. They've been making it to the NCAA tournament the last few years. I've got them getting back in. The WAC, 15-1 in league play. The New Mexico State Aggies, I've got them winning that conference tournament. Meanwhile, let's talk about the SEC real quick. Your top four seeds, LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee, and South Carolina. South Carolina, a very weak four seed. They had a weak and a really bad non-conference schedule because they, unless they win this tournament, they are not making the NCAA tournament, but they had a better uh, SEC uh, conference season than Auburn and Mississippi State and Ole Miss who are right behind them. And then, of course, you've got Florida and Arkansas, as well as Alabama. And then, of course, all the playing games. Uh, Mizzou, Georgia are 12 13, and AM and Vandy are the 11 and 14 games. So those get underway. This whole tournament, of course, taking place in Nashville. So a big advantage for Tennessee, of course, Kentucky, because they travel everywhere. When you look at all of this, that Florida Arkansas game should be really exciting to watch to see maybe Florida can finally assure themselves of getting in. Ole Miss, Alabama, that should be a really interesting matchup. I've got Ole Miss winning that one, and that should knock Alabama out, I think, of tournament consideration for the NCAA. As far as Tennessee goes, I like them to beat Mississippi State, though we'll see what happens with Kentucky and Tennessee. I never feel confident with Tennessee in these SEC tournaments because they haven't won one since 1979. Even though they've had some good teams throughout that time, they still have not won this SEC tournament. And right now, I just don't see it. As much as I would love to see the Vols do it, I think having that matchup against Kentucky in a rubber matchup, I would pick Kentucky if they meet in the uh, in the semifinals. Meanwhile, the tournament, my final four, I've got LSU, and I've got Auburn beating South Carolina because, again, I think that is a weak South Carolina team. I've got uh, Kentucky uh, winning their matchup between either Ole Miss or Alabama. I think it's going to be Ole Miss. I've got Tennessee beating Mississippi State in uh, their first matchup, but then I've got Auburn upsetting LSU because I think some of the stuff with Will Wade is going to come back to bite him, and also I think uh, Auburn 
is a really good team, and I think Bryce Brown is going to have himself a three-point fest. And then I've got Kentucky beating Tennessee in the semifinals. And then in the finals, I've got Kentucky beating Auburn because when in doubt, just go with Kentucky when it comes to winning this SEC tournament. So that's where we're going there. And if finish things up here in this first segment just breaking as i was recording this podcast we've got the sec end of season awards so congratulations these are the uh, coaches awards is voted on by all the coaches in the sec congratulations of course to grant williams and admiral schofield making all sec first team jordan bone all sec second team i thought he could have been a first team point guard player of the year tennessee's grant williams back-to-back player of the year the first one to do that since corliss williamson for arkansas back in the early 90s so congratulations to Grant Williams man you have been a pleasure to watch and again well deserved for Grant Williams coach of the year Kermit Davis at Ole Miss Ole Miss was picked to finish last in conference they ended up winning 20 plus games so congratulations to them Scholar Athlete of the Year, Skylar Mays at LSU. Freshman of the Year, Kelton Johnson at Kentucky. Sixth Man of the Year, Hassani Garrett of South Carolina. I was surprised it didn't go to Jordan Bowden, who has been great off the bench. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year was split between uh, Ashton uh, Higgins of Kentucky and Tremont Waters of LSU. So that wraps all that. Of course, your Player of the Year back-to-back was Grant Williams. So congratulations there. Taking a break real quick here on Modern Day Gladiators, but we'll be back with Shibbles and Bits right after this on the Outlander Media Network. Welcome back, everybody. Good to have you with me again here on Modern Day Gladiators on the Outlander Media Network. Of course, you can check out everything at outlandermedia.net. And of course, like, subscribe, share wherever you get those great podcasts that you listen to. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, Spotify. And of course, you can follow me, Michael Shibley, on Twitter at Michael underscore Shibley. Comments, five-star reviews, help us out as much as you can. Find us wherever you do. Give us those five-star reviews. Like us on Facebook at Modern Day Gladiators. And, of course, coming up, we've got the Modern Day Gladiators, Outlander Media, NCAA Tournament Brackets. We're going to have a whole bracket pool for everybody to play. You can play with all of your favorite uh, Outlander Media personalities, all the Haffle Boys, uh, J&B's DLC, Deadbeat Radio, Phantasm. Everybody's filling out a bracket, whether they know what they're doing or not. So we'll see how we all do. And if you win, hey, we'll make mention and maybe even talk nice of you on the podcast network. So we appreciate that. It's on ESPN. You can check out the Facebook page where we've got a link to it on the Outlander Media Facebook page. And the password is Outlander123. So you can join it, create a bracket, and see who's going to get the bragging rights in the world of Outlander Media. So appreciate it. I think I'm going to win, always. So if you can beat me, great. I will tip my hat to you and give you plenty of props. But let's get into it. We've got some breaking news that happened here uh, while I was uh, editing the first part of the podcast, actually. This has just come down the line. 
FBI and federal prosecutors have uncovered a massive bribery scheme to get students admitted to elite universities as recruited athletes to help them cheat on college entrance exams to gain admission. This is amazing. Uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Boston uh, said that the scheme includes nearly four dozen people, including actresses and CEOs, who paid as much as $6 million to get their children into schools such as Georgetown, Stanford, UCLA, Texas, Wake Forest, and Yale. Uh, among the nine coaches and sports administrators indicted, uh, Rudolph uh, Rudy Meredith, former Yale women's soccer coach, Donna Heinel, uh, USC associate athletic director, John Vandermeer, uh, sail- Stanford sailing coach, Ali Karoshian, the US- USC women's soccer coach, and uh, Jovan Vivek, the USC women's water polo coach. Actresses Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin were among those who paid bribes to help their children gain admission to the universities, according to the indictment. Arrest warrants have been issued for them on one charge each of conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest services mail fraud. So this has just been really, really interesting, just finding all this out and reading it. Uh, They clients and different things who were willing to pay bribes to the coaches and college administrators in order to gain admission for their children. The coaches allegedly designated the students as recruits for competitive college athletic teams, regardless of their athletic ability, to help facilitate their admission. So this has just been crazy. Uh, Meredith, the Yale soccer coach, she was the coach there for 24 years before resigning in November And again, she's accused of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and honest services fraud. Um, She altered a uh, prospective student's profile and falsely identified her co-captain of an elite club soccer team in Southern California. The student did not even play competitive soccer, according to the indictment. Um, Once the student was admitted to Yale, uh, Singer mailed Meredith a check for $400,000. So again, this is just, there's going to be more of this coming out as the days to come. But this again, just breaking news here for modern day gladiators. It's just an insane story when it breaks down to it. It's, it's hard enough to get into a lot of these schools and people, uh, apparently these wealthy people are willing to bribe their way in. So some of you find that maybe is a shock and some of us don't. So, again, it, it, it's crazy, uh, and it's an insane story, and of course, we'll break down much more of this as it comes available, but again, breaking news here coming as I was editing the first half of the podcast, so enjoy that as we have breaking news here on Modern Day Gladiators, but back to what I was going to talk about here to start shibbles and bits, and it has been interactions between fans and athletes in all levels of competition here. If you check this out, it, the big thing here in the U.S. was Oklahoma City Thunder star Russell Westbrook. Uh, he's on video threatening courtside fans uh, or a fan during the uh, Thunder 98-89 win at Utah. Apparently what has happened, according to reports and videos that we've seen, 45-year-old fan Shane Keisel allegedly told Westbrook to get down on your knees like you're used to. His knees were being warmed and wrapped with stuff in the middle of the game. Uh, Of course, Russell Westbrook has said it was racial and inappropriate. I'm leaning more toward inappropriate because it seems to more be a homophobic remark than a racial remark. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Um, And then Russell Westbrook 
pretty much you'd have to check out the the full video but he said you know he's going to f up him and his family and his girlfriend that was sitting next to him uh the thing has escalated kaisel and other fans were issued excessive conduct warning cards from the nba code of conduct so this has not been russell westbrook's first interaction with fans in utah when it comes to this in game six of the first round of the playoffs last year after utah ousted the Thunder. Uh, at halftime, Russell Westbrook snapped at a fan who said something to him. And then uh, at the end of the game, Russell Westbrook uh, slapped a phone out of the hands of another fan. So it has been something that's been going on. Now, one thing you need to realize, too, in the NBA especially, fans are right there. They are, I mean, if you pay enough money, you're sitting courtside. And by courtside, I mean the players on the bench are sitting almost next to you. That's how close you are to them, and you can interact with them fully which is amazing to see. Of course, uh, Shane Kaisel was saying he just it started out as good fun and that you know he's upset that he was threatening his girl. And again, it, it's, a, it's a bad issue personally, I think, for all parties involved. The, the, the rabbit ears that some of these players have. Personally, I don't even think this is as bad as some of the things that are yelled at referees during a contest. So it, it's something, again, you got to question with fan safety... Now, fans, I do have some fault with fans here because just because you buy a ticket doesn't mean you have the right to say anything you want, especially the argument that fans pay the athlete's salary. No, you pay a fraction of the player's salary. Most of that is paid for by the TV rights, so they pay a lot more than the fans do to go to games. So keep your lid on that just a tad when it comes to your belief in that Um, But again, you look at this, and again, you can see the fan safety, the respect. There was even an instance Russell Westbrook had a couple of weeks ago where a kid, like, reached out and touched him when there was a stoppage in play. He was sitting courtside, and if that was some sort of angry, drunken fan, that could have escalated into something much worse. I mean, the NBA has the malice at the palace from, I think, 2004, if you remember, uh, the, uh, the Indiana Pacers players, Ron Artest and some of the other guys, went into the stands in Detroit because they, a cup was thrown at Ron Artest, and he went into the stands and was fighting with fans. So they don't want that to happen again. But you d- yes, you have freedom of speech. We've talked about freedom of speech plenty on this podcast, but it doesn't give you the right to be a schmuck either all the time. So here's what I would honestly do. If I'm the NBA, it, I would find Russell Westbrook... $30,000 for yelling at the fan, mostly for the woman, because you can't threaten to beat up a woman. Argue with it all you want, especially she wasn't saying anything. You can't threaten to beat up a woman. Optics are not great on that. Then you also uh, ban the fan for the rest of the season with the Utah Jazz. He can come back next season. That's fine. I think that's a perfect balance. There's a solution to this. There you have it. But this has not been the only issue we've had with fans and athletes just in the past couple of days you look at over the weekend conor mcgregor mma fighter was arrested for smashing the phone of someone who was trying to take his photograph he was arrested there's a mugshot and everything so there's that then you go over to england and they've had two crazy instances on the football pitch the first one happened in the Premier League. An Arsenal fan ran onto the pitch at Emeritus Stadium uh, during the matchup with Man U and made contact with Manchester United's Chris Smalling. Uh, that fan was then arrested and charged with common assault. But even crazier happened in the second level 
of uh, English soccer, which is the Championship League. It was during the Second City or Birmingham Derby, which is their rivalry matchups. Uh, Birmingham City versus Aston Villa, uh, teams that don't like each other. It's a big rivalry matchup, but they call them derbies there. Uh, and what happened in this one was a Birmingham City fan by the name of Paul Mitchell, some 27-year-old schmuck, uh, came onto the pitch in about the 10th minute and swung and punched uh, Aston Villa uh, midfielder, uh, uh, can't even find his name, It uh, punched Jack Graylish is the, the name of the guy. Just walked up and punched him while Graylish's back was turned. His back was, his, he was facing the goal and this fan just ran up and ran and punched him right in the back of the head. Just sucker punched him. Essentially, just ran onto the field, which, by the way, the security sucks if you're going to let that happen. So he hopped onto the field, and this guy immediately, of course, was arrested and taken off. He uh, was jailed. He's going to be jailed for 14 weeks after pleading guilty for uh, assaulting Jack Graylish, because that's what this was. This was assault. Just ran onto the field and punched a guy. You can't do that. So that was uh, just nuts. He's also been banned from any uh, football match in the UK for the next 10 years, which is good. Um, Graylish did score the winning goal for Aston Villa as they won the Derby matchup. But again, these interactions, you just can't, you can't do that. The security, I don't know what they need to do, but they need to do a much better job of monitoring this situation because that is just terrible to see and I had just fun soccer stories to talk about I mean the UEFA Champions League has gone crazy we talked about Real Madrid losing last week um one of the other favorites PSG Paris Saint-Germain they're out after losing to man uh, Manchester United Manchester United's won the second leg of the match three to one in Paris causing it to be a tie on aggregate because, again, they play a home-and-home and and the aggregate goals, whoever has the most goes. But if it's a tie, you go to away goals because they're weighed more. And so Man U wins on away goals. So that was amazing to see. And also the fact that Roma gave up and lost uh, 3-1 to to FC Porto. And Roma, of course, fires their coach immediately after that, after making the semifinals uh, last year. So you have all these things happening. And yet I got to talk about crazy fan interaction. Just, again, just because you go to the game doesn't give you carte blanche to do everything. So... And again, it's, I'm sure most of it is alcohol consumption by far. So, and again, you're perfectly capable of buying alcohol, but you need to learn to control your alcohol consumption a little bit too. And yes, you can do some trash talking with fans, but don't, just don't be a schmuck about it. Yes, do I think uh, Shane Keisel was inappropriately yelled at, especially his woman? Sure, by Russell Westbrook. But just, you don't have to just go balls out crazy with all of this either. Uh, finishing up more soccer news, this one here in the U.S. as the uh, United States women national team here just a couple of months before kickoff of the Women's World Cup uh, on International Women's Day actually uh, has filed lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation for gender discrimination. All 28 members of the team have been named uh, plaintiffs in the case filed in U.S. District Court in Los Angeles. Uh, The lawsuit was filed under the Equal Pay Act and the uh, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. Uh, Class action status over institutionalized gender discrimination. Uh, The women's national team, you know, won the World Cup in 2015. They won three World Cups. Meanwhile, the men's team uh, didn't make the World Cup the last time through. 
but yet the uh, the men get paid much more when it comes to wins and, and training and just uh, status in the in the locker room and, and and meals and all these things that we've talked about. So again, you can see the the women's squad, you know, wins things. The men's team has done squadoosh. The women's team has been constantly either one or two in the world over the last couple of decades. The men's team right now currently ranked 25th, and that's about where they seem to stay most of the time. So you talk about wages and all that. And again, you because when you argue with success, the, the women's team has had success. The men's team has not when it comes down to so much of this. So that's my breaking down of it. I would give them equal pay with the men's team in that you can argue with you know, the NBA and the WNBA, you can argue, especially where men's and women's sports are, at least the competition is pretty much the same. You can see, though, where the eyeballs are with men's basketball compared to women's basketball. And yes, the ratings generally are a little bit higher for men's soccer compared to women's soccer, but I think just as many people watch the Women's World Cup as the men do here in the U.S. Um, also, the women have the highest rated um, soccer match in United States history with their 1999 World Cup final against China. So just keep that in mind with this. Pay them. They're one of the great banners for the United States on the international stage. Give the women equal footing when it comes to that. They've deserved it. You can talk about deserving things. The U.S. women's national team has deserved plenty of that. Uh, to wrap up what we're going to talk about here real quick internationally, this is another crazy sport real quick that I wanted to talk about. Uh, moral of this story, be nice to your dogs because uh, this was happening during the Iditarod, of course, the uh, the biggest dog sledding race in the world there in Alaska. Uh, musher Nicholas Petit lost a huge lead in the Iditarod uh, Trail sled dog race on Monday when his dog team refused to keep going after he yelled at one of the animals. A dog named Joey had been fighting with another dog on the team and jumped it during a break uh, on the way to the Bering Sea checkpoint of Koyuk. And then Petit told uh, the, the, the reporters there, I yelled at Joey and everybody heard the yelling and that doesn't happen. And then they wouldn't go anymore. So even dogs on a team decide, hey, uh, we're not going to deal with this. So we're just going to sit down. So that's what they did. And they chose not to do that. So he lost... He had a five-hour lead in the race, and it was lost because he was yelling at his dogs. So, bad form there, sir. Be nice to your dogs. Seriously, be nice to all your animals. Uh, and then to wrap up shibbles and bits here, uh, little Tennessee news in baseball and softball. The baseball team, they finally lost a game. Unfortunately, they're now 15-1 on the season. They did win uh, the series against Fresno State, but they lost the last one. The 21-ranked Vols will take on UNC Asheville here in the middle of the week, and then they start SEC play this weekend at number 15, Auburn. So that should be a great matchup and really see how good this Tennessee baseball team can be. Meanwhile, the Lady Vols softball team, they have rocketed up now. They were seven going into the week. They are now rocketed up to number four because they beat the number four Florida Gators in Gainesville over the weekend. They won two out of the three to win that series. Uh, the Lady Vols take on MTSU midweek, and then they've got, they step back out of conference play for the Tennessee Invitational as they host Texas and BYU for a round robin series of matchups, which should be fun there. So check that out at beautiful Sherry Lee Parker Stadium here in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee. 
That's going to wrap up everything with Shibbles and Bits. Thank you guys again for tuning in and listening to everything we're talking about here on Modern Day Gladiators. But let's talk about some gladiators in the one true sport wrestling. WWE Fastlane happened. The matches were fine. The storylines are stupid. But the talent seems to be outweighing at least the terrible storylines we've had lately. Best matchups were the uh, U.S. title Fatal 4-Way match between champ Samoa Joe, Andrade, Rey Mysterio Jr., and R-Truth. Just a match that they had just had on SmackDown where R-Truth was the champ, but Joe won it. So now Samoa Joe is back champion, making Rey Mysterio pass out to the Coquina Clutch. That was a very good matchup. Um, also the WWE championship, uh, you've got the storyline where Kofi Kingston and the new day have been trying to get him back into that match. It should be a triple threat. So Vince McMahon says, yes, it should be a triple threat and that will happen now. And then he swerved all of us because apparently that's all Vince McMahon knows how to do now is troll the fans. So Kofi Kingston's out in the ring and he's got a handicap match against the bar. Then you do have a triple threat match. So you have Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, and Mustafa Ali was added to that matchup. So there you go with that. That was also a very good match. I really enjoyed that. The crowd, it took them a while to get the crowd back into it because they wanted Kofi Kingston in it. And yet they got Mustafa Ali, who was a face, but they were booing him. But Mustafa Ali and Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens did a great job of getting the crowd back and turned in a wonderful performance with Daniel Bryan hitting a running knee to Mustafa Ali mid-jump, which was beautiful to see. Becky Lynch uh, got punched in the face from outside interference by Ronda Rousey, so that caused Becky Lynch to win the matchup. So now Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch in a triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Also, of course, now if we're on the road to WrestleMania, you've got Seth Rollins ready to take on Brock Lesnar in for the Universal Championship. Uh, you also have the Harlem Heat have now been added to the WWE Hall of Fame. That gives Booker T now two Hall of Fame inductions because he was inducted by himself and now with his brother Stevie Ray. They were 10-time WCW Tag Team Champions. Sure, why not put them in the Hall of Fame? I have no qualms with that really uh Braun Strowman apparently last year if it wasn't ridiculous enough that he's with a 10 year old winning the tag team championships over the bar now he looks like he's going to be dealing with uh some of the guys from SNL and Weekend Update as his Wrestlemania feud because they can't think of anything else to do with Braun Strowman they sent him after he picked one of them up and held him by the throat, which, by the way, they went to commercial, came back, still being held by the throat. That would almost consider me killing the man, personally, but then the SNL guys gifted him a car, which he said was too small and wouldn't fit him and was stupid, and he beat it up. Kind of looked like what happened back in uh, the bonus level in Street Fighter Two Turbo, where you just beat up a car, and then the guy comes back and goes, Oh, my car. That's what that looked and reminded me of anyway. So... There you have that. Of course, the big matchup that they hyped a lot to was Triple H will now face Batista at WrestleMania for a no-holds-barred matchup there. So the road to WrestleMania is finally happening. You've got more shows here to build it to. Not too far, because it's less than a month away to WrestleMania, which, of course, we will break down completely and have some awesome stuff to talk about with that as we get closer to the show of shows, the granddaddy of them all, 
WrestleMania 35. But that's going to wrap up this episode of Modern Day Gladiators. Next week, it'll be an abbreviated show. I'm on vacation in New Orleans, but the brackets are coming out. So, of course, we'll have all of my uh, picks for the NCAA tournament coming next week. So stay tuned to that. Until then, like, subscribe, share, give us your comments. I would love you forever. My name is Michael Shibley. This has been Modern Day Gladiators on the Outlander Media Network. Too sweet. Love you. See you next time. <laughs>